BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome in, folks. This is the Big Ten Country Podcast. I am James Naveau. He is Ken Davis. We are presented by Benny's Beverage Depot. This week in the Big Ten, we've got a good, actually an interesting matchup in the West, which is maybe not something we're to be able to say again for the entirety of the college football season. But we do have it this week as Iowa and Wisconsin will do battle at Camp Randall. We also have some uh, other games to discuss, a little bit of Ohio State, Michigan action. But before we get to literally all of that, I have to ask you, Ken Davis, how are you feeling about your uh, life right now? You got the Bears coming off a win against the Commanders. You've got your guy, Drew Aller, going to be back out on the field this Saturday. Life's got to be good for a Ken Davis. Yeah, life, if I'm being honest, um, not talking about Bears losses and people getting fired and replacing Justin Fields for another week is a blessing. And, uh, you know, anytime we could talk Drew Aller and I at least have him for another year. That's another thing, too. Like, it's yeah. the clay is being molded when we're talking about James Franklin and Drew Aller. Like, it's steps. I know, like, I know you don't, I know you don't want to come over here and we're going to talk to Nick Schultz and he's he's here. He I, I didn't know he's here as far as the Drew Aller fan club. Presidente. Um, but but yeah, any week I can watch some good Penn State football and the Bears are blowing the, the, the doors off of a commander's team that deserves everything bad to happen to them. I'm excited. Wow, you really have a lot of hatred for Riverboat Ron, huh? Okay. It's not, no, 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 no. This is all Dan Snyder stuff. He's not even the owner. In- it, it, <laughs> hey, listen, if you roll with a bad crew, you roll with a bad crew. I'm, I, he just left. So I... Oh. I I can't absolve them for everything Daniel Snyder has done, which has agitated me for over two decades. Um, Yes. So a little bit of a reveal behind how the sausage is made on this podcast. We already spoke to Nick Schultz. They already waxed poetic about Drew Aller. They discussed uh, renting the back room of a moose lodge for their fan club meetings. We will get into that. We also get into literally like 16 other topics, including Heisman Trophy, who we think the best team in the Big Ten East and West is, and just kind of in general, take a look around the college football landscape. And Nick Schultz from On3 Sports, an incredible guest to do that with, knows so much about so many things. Just you can literally pick his brain about anything. And that's exactly what we did in this conversation with Nick. All right. Today on Big Ten Country, we are joined by we can call him a friend of the show because he's been on the show before. You may remember him from when we were running around Indianapolis at Big Ten Media Days. We needed someone to put me in my place about a lot of different topics. And he's here once again to serve me a big heaping slice of humble pie. I'm sure he is. Nick Schultz covers college football, basketball, yells about a lot of different sportsy things on on three sports. And today He's yelling at us. Nick, how are you doing today, bud? Everything going good? I'm gonna try I'm gonna try to keep the yelling to a minimum, but no, it's good to be back with you. That was that was fun at Media Days, you know, running around Lucas Oil Stadium trying to find, you know, anything. So that was a good time. Yeah. Glad to be back with you. Yeah, and we uh, obviously this week, um, there's a couple of 
I guess like modestly interesting conference games, but I think we also kind of want to just get a general overview of the conference from you after uh, these six weeks that we've seen uh, football. Who's your uh, top team in the conference right now? And I would also follow that up by saying, who's the best team that isn't in the top three of this conference? Well, I'm inclined to say Michigan, even though their strength of schedule hasn't been, you know, great. They haven't really played much top tier competition, but I, I'm a big JJ McCarthy fan. I have been since last year. I just think he's, he does a little bit of everything. I'm not quite at the Harbaugh level where he's comparing him to Andrew Luck, but I, I, I still think JJ is a very good quarterback. And with Michigan's schedule so far, I expect them to be six and oh, three and oh in league play. I still really like Penn State. I was, I was, before the year, I was saying like they were kind of my sleeper team, and they've got a big one coming up against Ohio State, not this week, but next week. And I'm going to be tuned in for that one for sure. But I really like Penn State. I was going to say Maryland it, after the first half the other day against Ohio State, but that second half, I'm like, well, maybe I should calm down a little bit on the Terps. But, you know, this it's an interesting league this year. The West is up for grabs. I really thought Illinois would be more of a factor, but I don't know what's going on in Champaign that game against Nebraska was painful but it's the West is wide open this year and I think that adds to the intrigue of a lot of games this week look Nick you mentioned the comp for JJ McCarthy as far as Andrew Luck let me ask you and if if there is is there a comp you have for perhaps what you believe JJ McCarthy is or could be moving forward you know I don't know if I have like a specific comp I just like the way he's the true dual threat it it blew my mind that I want to say the game last week was his first with two rushing touchdowns. Like yeah. that surprised me because he's so good with his legs. He throw he throws a great ball. He's the most efficient passer in he definitely in the conference. He's one of the top completion rates in the country. I think Bo Nix is still in first, but JJ was like number three heading into Saturday. Like he can do it with his arms. He can do it with his legs. And that what makes him a really intriguing prospect. And I think the fact that he and Roman Wilson had the connection they have, that's really special, and that's going to be huge going forward into some of these games. Like, so I guess that was like a non-answer answer to your comp question, but like it, it's hard to pinpoint just because his skill set is so unique. You know? Could you rank the quarterbacks that you have in the Big Ten right now? Your top five, perhaps? Ooh, never had really thought about it. Uh, JJ's number one. I really like Drew Aller. These are going to be out of order, one to five, but I'm just going to list like the five. No, no, that's in order. That's in order right there. I'll put put that Drew Aller in order. Like, so, I mean, JJ's at one, Drew Aller two. Uh, Kyle McCord, I guess he's got to be top five just because he's got the win over Notre Dame under his belt and the way they did that. I didn't think he looked that great in the first half against Maryland, but Ohio State as a unit didn't look that great in the first half against Maryland. So, like, you've got your guys in the East. I'm a big Talia Tagovailoa fan, wrote about him when he was just getting started at Maryland when I was at Saturday Tradition. I'm going to be a big believer in Talia. Tanner Mordecai at Wisconsin's interesting, too. Just that that offense is so unique, and I think he fits it really well. They haven't really shown the air raid to the nature of, say, Mike Leach, the late Mike Leach at Mississippi State. I think he's just got that dynamic skill set. His arm is there. He's another, I think he's like the sneak, the sneaky good type. Like you, everyone talks about McCarthy, Aller, McCord. I think Talia gets a little overlooked as well, but Tanner Mordecai is, that's a really good player that Luke Fickle's got at Wisconsin. So I guess that if you're putting it in order, I guess it's in order of like where they're ranked right now in the conference one through five. But I think that just speaks to 
you know, where the, the conference landscape is. And I, McCord is like that fringe top five. Maybe he'd be number five, but he's got that win over Notre Dame. You can't discount that because of what he did on those final drives, no matter what Al Golden might have done with the Notre Dame defense that I did. <laughs> I was going to say that. I was going to point out that, hey, wait a minute. Now let's remember what uh, Notre Dame's defense was doing in that game for most of it. Um, I think like outside of just these types of conversations about kind of where we are from a player perspective in the Big Ten. I'm also very interested to kind of get your take on some of the teams, I think. And we can talk about the West just because I think that the hierarchy in the East is pretty well established. The winner of that division is going to be Ohio State, Michigan, or Penn State. The West, literally not a clue in the world what's going on. And it just so happens this week the two teams I think have the best chance of doing that are playing in Iowa and Wisconsin. But I guess my question to you, first of all, is, is that an accurate assessment of what this game is going to be? Or do you think there's another team in the West that somehow can kind of weasel their way in there and make this more of a three horse race? If I had to pick right now, it's Wisconsin or Iowa. And looking at the standings, Wisconsin's in first place in the West by a half game. That's because mm-hmm. Iowa's got one conference loss. Right. And Wisconsin's only played two conference games. They've won them both. So that's your top two. It's middle of the pack there. Minnesota, Nebraska, Northwestern, and Purdue. Didn't think we'd be talking about Northwestern in this conversation. They're all one and two right mm-hmm. now. And then I, I really thought Illinois was going to be more in this mix, like I said, but they're 0 and 3. That tough to come back from with the division format like this. I yeah. think you're going to see a lot straighten out here over the next couple of weeks as we get into conference play. These guys start playing each other more. But if I, I mean, Wisconsin and Iowa are, I don't want to, I don't know if there is a class of the Big Ten West right now i don't want to call anyone that just with the state of that division but they're the top two for different reasons iowa's defense says enough i will not bet against phil parker like anytime anytime i can i'm gonna take phil parker at least on the spread not to win the game and wisconsin that's just a unique situation with luke fickle coming in that's a fantastic hire by wisconsin i thought that was a slam dunk from the get-go so those two are kind of if they can create some separation here that'll get interesting who knows what Matt, what Matt Rule can do at Nebraska, too. That team seems to be kind of coming together. They've got to cut down on the self-inflicted wounds. But Heinrich Harburg, he's looking pretty good at quarterback, considering I think he's their third try at quarterback because they had Chubba Purdy in there as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, Nebraska's one to watch. Minnesota, I don't think they're that good nope. this year. Like, that's just, I don't know what's going on. And I know PJ Fleck says he's always feeling elite, but I don't know if he's feeling elite right now with the way Minnesota's played. Like the West is so open. Any one of these teams could sneak in is how it's going to be. But either way, I think any one of Michigan, Penn state, Ohio state's going to just, they're going to win the big 10 championship. It's a matter of who they play. I think Maryland would beat the doors off of any of those teams too. Like I'm not taking that result as them being like, you know, Oh, fifth or sixth best in the conference. I still think they're fourth best. Am I crazy? No. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. And I think we, the conversation would be different if Ohio state didn't get really hot in that second half on Saturday. If Maryland kept it, let's say a one score game the whole way we're talking about the Terps as, Hey, are they going to maybe be able to sneak in? Cause Michigan and Ohio state have to play Penn state. If there's mm-hmm. a way Maryland can sneak in, if Penn State can play spoiler, and so let's say Penn State plays spoiler, beats Michigan and Ohio State. This is like a pie-in-the-sky situation. But if they get caught in a trap game and lose a game, Maryland's right back in this conversation. Like, if these teams all have one loss, you're looking at a four-way battle for the top of the East. Like, what a, what a way for the divisions to go out. I'm going to I'm gonna miss the Big Ten West, first of all, just because that, <laughs> it's so, it, the Sickos Committee is one of my favorite accounts. 
I you feel might like one of them. Who has ever said this in your in the entire existence of the Big Ten West? <laughs> I'm a, I mean, I it it I said it the other night. The Big Ten West was Big Ten Westing in Illinois, Nebraska. Like that was just it was so it was fun bad. It's fun bad. Like I, you have. To, I grew up around University of Illinois territory. Like you, you gotta love it. It's all you have to love it to watch the Big Ten West, in my opinion. Yeah, we've been rooting for Illinois, so we're disappointed too. I want to ask you about, you've mentioned that you had higher expectations for Illinois. Why? But also, sticking with the West, what team have you been most disappointed in the West and why were you so disappointed in that team? I'm going to double up and say Illinois because I thought, I didn't know if they'd necessarily make a run at the division necessarily because I thought Wisconsin coming in, they did a great job in the portal, great job with coaching hires. I thought Wisconsin was my favorite to win the West going in. Iowa's going to be right there just because of that defense. The drive to 325 isn't going well, but the defense is carrying Iowa all the way. I thought Illinois, coming off the year they had last year, you make the bowl game. High hope. Brett Bielema is looking really good on the recruiting trail, everything like that. They come in. I thought Luke Altmaier was going to be better. I thought he was going to benefit from the change of scenery coming in from Ole Miss. He came in, and it just hasn't worked. And I think the biggest absence you see is Chase Brown at running back. If you would have gotten a stud running back from the portal, oh, by the way, Josh McCray is out for the year too. So your running back position is depleted and you lost an All-American and I don't know what they necessarily replaced his production very well. So they they could get this thing on track. Brett, he did not sound happy after that Nebraska game last week. So we'll see if any changes come. But I just thought Illinois would be kind of that second, third team in the West and maybe make a run at the division title, but at 0-3, that doesn't look likely to happen at this point. That offense is just, it needs a spark, and it hasn't gotten one yet. Well, the big, and the big issue, too, is they've lost to two teams within their division, so, like, that's right. really kind of hampered them, whereas other schools like Iowa's loss in conference right now was to Penn State. Like, that's totally understandable. That's, you know, right. if your crossover games are against those schools, that's going to be really difficult. So, I think it's just, as you said, probably going to be too big of a, a hole for Illinois to climb out of. I think that outside of them, I would say Wisconsin, Iowa, for sure. I just, the thing I don't get about Nebraska, they're just, their defense had looked so bad so much of the time. And then Illinois' offense made them look like world beaters. And so I think there's kind of this temptation right now to say, oh, well, maybe Nebraska can get it sorted. I think a lot of teams are going to have get right games against Illinois. So I think that that's probably the one area where I'll push back about uh, Matt Rule's squad is that I think a lot of teams are going to look really good against Illinois uh, coming up in the next few weeks. Well, after the Michigan game, after Nebraska got just the doors blown off by Michigan, Tony White came out and said he called out the effort. Like He was not happy with the tackling. He was not happy with the way the defense came out. So I think there was a little bit of added fuel there after that Michigan game. And I think you saw like, hey, we got a chip on our shoulder going to Illinois. Let's go get a get right game. And I don't even know. I don't even know who's next on their schedule. But Maryland. Mar- well, Mar- it is Maryland. Maryland's yeah. for Illinois. Yeah, sorry. Oh no! For for Northwestern or North well, Nebraska has Northwestern this yes. week. So you've got a, you've got an opportunity here. Like I, Northwestern, I didn't know how good they'd be if they'd be good after everything that happened. They've got a conference win. That's another opportunity. You've got them coming to Lincoln out of the bye week next week. You get hit the reset button a little bit after Illinois, and I you never know in the way with the way this is shaking out. Look at the schedule. You got Northwestern out of the bye. Then you got Purdue. And then at Michigan State, Maryland, Wisconsin, you close out with the rival against Iowa. 
Yep. It's not, that's not easy there. I think they can win their, the next three are winnable. I don't know if they're win them, but they're winnable. Maryland, Wisconsin, probably not. And Iowa that we've seen that rivalry game, anything can happen in that game. So you, I'm just saying you never know. You, you and your sicko bad territory there again, saying <laughs> anything can happen in an Iowa game. Like that's a good thing. It sounds like more of a threat. <laughs> you know with this offense man i don't know you're down Kate mcnamara for the year do we trust deacon hill yet no i don't know i don't know dude they had an entire week to game plan against a purdue team that has gotten sliced and diced by multiple offenses and deacon hill completed six passes one of which was to somebody not named eric all I am not buying in on Deacon Hill, and thank God for them they had Kalen Johnson because, good Lord, if they didn't, they would have lost that game to the Boilermakers. Just saying, Phil Parker, is the he's the reason Iowa is in this conversation in the Big Ten West because I <laughs> – who knows what's going to happen with Brian Ferentz. I just – that I know what I know what should happen. I don't know what will happen. I think as long as Phil Parker is a defensive coordinator at Iowa and that unit is just – insane that defense is nuts every year i don't know how they do it because you don't have like some of the bigger names that you had like you lost lucas van ness was a big one you lost and yet they're still in this conversation and saving saving iowa's season is what it feels like and saving maybe brian ferentz's job but you never know i would like to dive into the east but i'd be remiss if we just didn't get iowa wisconsin out of the way so Mm -hmm. nick your expectations and what do you expect to happen with iowa going up against wisconsin do we know what the over under is for that game? I didn't I haven't seen. Yeah, I <laughs> Man, I don't know. Like I I went through I found some interesting numbers here. I'm go, I'm going to read you these 9, 12, 14 and 14. That's where Iowa ranks in offense and scoring 9th, rushing 12th, passing 14th, which is last, and total offense, which is last. So you've got kind of the, I don't want to use the immovable object analogy here, but that's kind of what it feels like. Wisconsin's defense hasn't really been special either. Seventh in scoring, sixth in rushing, 13th in passing, which is second to last, by the way, and ninth in total defense. I think you're going to get one of those wacky, crazy play decides the game. I'd take Wisconsin just because of the quarterback issue that Iowa has. I don't, and it's a Deacon Hill bowl, by the way, maybe he's going to come out and try to, I, I would hope he'd be a little more motivated against his former team, but I, I got to take Wisconsin. I don't know if they're going to cover. I don't know if it should be what 10 point spread. Is that what I saw last week? Uh, the spread in the game that I have found is nine and a half points in favor of Wisconsin right now. And the over under is 37 and a half. So I never take unders and I'm inclined to take the under in that one. Like I, I never, I, I think it's, is it big cat that always says life's too short for diet soda, uh, decaf coffee and taking the under, like that's kind of how I operate. I would lean the under in that one. And I think it's, I think it's a one score game either way, but I, I I'm leaning Wisconsin because the offense is good. Yeah. (laughs) That's just the best way to put it. Well, is the offense still good without Ches Malusi in it? I know that uh, Braylon Allen, of course, is an incredibly good running back, but 
I thought ultimately that was going to force Wisconsin to throw the ball more, and they certainly did not in their first game without him. So I'm kind of curious for your perspective on how Wisconsin's offense is going to do against a team like Iowa when they kind of have shown, no, we're going to continue to try to run the football, even though we've lost you know, one part of our two-headed monster in the backfield. Like, I think Braylon Allen's, his pass catching ability is special too. Like, don't discount that. Like, I think he can be a good pass catcher, but without that, without Malusi, you kind of lose the mystique of, okay, what are they going to come at us with? Like, are they going to come at us? Are they going to run more play action? Are they going to hand it off? They're going to run some screens, like dump offs. I think that layer is important, but also Braylon Allen's special. Like you knew that when he came in as a freshman, He's a special talent. If you give him room to run, he's going to run. You're going to have a hard time stopping him. Now, Iowa's defense will probably be able to do a little better job of that than most teams. But I think you've got him mixed in with Tanner Mordecai, who can also, not to the extent of like some quote-unquote dual threat quarterbacks, but he can use his legs too if he needs. He did and, that against Purdue for sure. You're absolutely right. Right. So you've kind, if you can work in Mordecai's legs more and kind of get the defense wondering on an option play what they're going to do, you can find some success. And I know this feels like a different Phil Longo offense than we expected. Maybe they're waiting on the personnel to come in because it is year one. Like you're not going to, not every team in year one is going to be Lincoln Riley at USC where you're talking playoff. Like Mm. maybe it's year one, you're still getting things established, but if there's a team to start mixing it up a little bit against it's this week, because you can, if you can go three and oh, all of a sudden you find yourself with a not much, a little bit of separation from the rest of the pack in the division. All right, I got to go to the East. James, is there anything else you want to ask about the West and Wisconsin, Iowa, before I, I, I jump over to the East side? No, I think we've kind of hit on what ultimately is going to be the big deciding factor in the game, which is how is Wisconsin going to attack an Iowa defense that's been tough and whether Iowa's offense can do literally anything. So I think right. I think we hit the angles that were important there. <laughs> All right. So speaking of angles, and you've mentioned somebody that I care about and I am the president of their fan club, and that's Drew Aller. Um, talk to me because, and James would tell you, I had Michigan Penn State for a while. And I think even though Drew Aller hasn't exploded like he did earlier on in this season, I like the composure and the fact that he hasn't given the game away. But in some ways, Nick, I feel now that, and I know with that that defense that Penn State has, that perhaps they'll never truly be down, down, where they have to go just in just pass pro totally. But still, I have a little hesitancy with experience now, wondering going up against a J.J. McCarthy or a second-half McCord can Penn State pull it off with Drew Aller as Drew Aller is hopefully, in my in my opinion, growing, but still a young quarterback in the Big Ten? I'm right there with you in the Drew Aller fan club. Like, if you're president, I'd like to, like, be your secretary of state welcome, or something. Welcome, welcome. Like, oh, I am all on, I am on board. Of course. Like, I, I'm a big fan. I was a fan of his last year behind Sean Clifford. And I, look, Sean Clifford did... It, the Sean Clifford experience was real. Like it was kind of, you got, you had your ups and your downs, but I think he was the perfect mentor for a guy like Drew Aller. And I think the prime example of that, the Northwestern game, they're losing to Northwestern at, in Evanston. Did not think we'd be talking about that. I did not think Northwestern was going to have a lead at all, let alone lead late in the first half. They came out in the second half. James Franklin said they were going to change some things. He looked calm. And I think Drew Aller stayed composed. The defense helped too. Like the defense made some big plays. I think he stayed composed and helped kind of engineer that we're going to come back and then just keep our foot on the pedal. 
And I think that game was big for him because he's, this is his first year as a starter. You're going to have your first year as a starter moments. And I, I think he's capable enough. He's got, he's got that ability to run too. That's, that's unique. His passing has been, you know, up and down with the nature of the offense. But I think if their defense holds strong, he's capable enough to make some big plays, especially with, you got Nick, Nick Singleton and Katron Allen in your backfield. That's a really fun group to have there, a fun young core. So I think Drew Aller's special. It's a matter of he's handled it against Northwestern, which is a team you shouldn't have necessarily trailed. But again, it's college football. There's You never know. You got to come out any given Saturday. You can do it there. Now do it against, say, Ohio State next week. If, you, if they create some pressure, he's going to have to handle himself. I think that was a good learning experience when they went to Northwestern. So I'm all in. I, I love the kid. I think he's he's very talented, and he doesn't get talked about as much nationally, but I think he's one of those, he's got another year yet. Next year, I think you're going to say the name Drew Aller quite a bit with another offseason under his belt. First of all, you guys can reserve the back room at the Moose Lodge for your uh, fan club. <laughs> <laughs> Second of all, I will not besmirch the name of Drew Aller for fear of, you know, making Ken Davis sad, which I actively try not to do. And instead, I will ask about the weapons that he has to throw to. You mentioned Allen and Singleton. We, of course, awesome, awesome running backs. Love watching them work. But his pass catching options don't seem like they're there. Obviously, nobody's are as good as Ohio State's are, but no. I even think. Michigan has a deeper crop of pass catchers for J.J. McCarthy than Penn State does for Drew Aller. Do you think that's a fair assessment? I mean, I think it's fair. I mean, obviously, Lambert Smith is your number one guy. I expected more out of Dante Cephas, to be honest with you, the Kent State transfer. But you're into October now. This is where you're going to find out who's, who's ready to step up. You're getting into crunch time. I think the fact that he has, I mean, Singleton and Allen can catch the ball, too. Like they're not going to be running out. You're not going to get this crazy. Like yeah, watching the 49ers game last night against the Cowboys. You're not going to have them lining up outside. You're not going to be bringing that layer to it. You can get them in the backfield if you need, and they'll get you a couple yards. Like, especially with their running ability, they're both tough. You've got good options there in terms of depth on the outside. I think I agree with you. You just need a couple of those guys to step up a little more. Like I, like Lambert Smith is your number one option. There's no question about that. He's made some big time plays this year. You can get mm-hmm. guys like Cephas to wake up a little bit. And I think they can, they can hold their own. I don't want to use the defense dictates the offense coach speak cliche. That's usually like a basketball thing, but I think there's momentum to be had there. If your defense can come up with some big plays, the offense can say, okay, let's go get that reward. And you're going to have guys maybe be able to make some big time plays. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I don't really want to ask you about Penn State, Massachusetts. I, I I rather I want to skip to next week, but that's not how we're going to do this. So I want to ask you about, and that's Penn State, Ohio State. When I say that, yeah. But I want to ask you about Ohio State versus Purdue. Um, Ryan Walters is trying to get that program off the ground. 
Um, one, I, I, before I ask you about the game, you, what, how do you feel about Purdue and what they're doing in year one of Ryan Walters? I should probably – let's start off with that, please, Nick. I think you're seeing and you're changing all the complexions of that offense. Even with you bring in Hudson Cards, you've got a new quarterback coming in. You've got a whole new system with Graham Harrell, with the air raid style. I think you're seeing that learning curve in real time. And I think it's taking a little longer than everybody thinks. The defense hasn't been what you expect for Ryan Rolters necessarily. And I think you're seeing that first year laying the groundwork. I'm I'm a fan. He wasn't on my radar when Purdue hired him. I didn't I thought they'd maybe go with the offensive minded kind of not the Jeff Brown model, but someone offensive minded kind of in that vein. But I, I think he's doing okay. It's a matter of can he build it and sustain it. I think mm. you're seeing the building process in real time. So they're a it's an interesting spot right now for Purdue. I didn't think they were going to be like this lights out, going to run the table, going to make create some headaches, but I thought they'd be, I don't want to say more watchable, but it's like, it's been up and you've had your ups, you've had your downs. It's just a first year coach type of thing. And your expectations for this upcoming game with Ohio State versus Purdue, please. I think Ohio State, they've got to come out better than they did against Maryland. I think that first half was you... <laughs> The overreactions were, I don't know if you follow message board geniuses on Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it now, but that is one of my favorite accounts because you saw the overreactions. Now, Ohio State didn't have Trevion Henderson. Brian Day said that was a precaution. He should be back on Saturday. I think that's big because you can establish the run. If you can get McCord on the move, then it opens up for the best wide receiver room in the country. So, I I mean, I really like Ohio State in this game. I think they need the, I don't want to say bounce back because they did play really well in that second half against Maryland. But I think they can, if they can avoid the look ahead factor, I think that can be something in here. I know you mentioned it with Penn state next week. If they can avoid the trap game, look ahead type of situation, I think they'll be fine. It's just now Ryan Walters needs to be like, okay, they've got a big game next week. Let's see if we can get them in a corner and make Kyle McCord make some plays. Mm. I will point out, by the way, Ohio State had the potential for a look-ahead game when they were facing Notre Dame, and they dismantled Youngstown State, so I do not think right. that's going to be an issue for... I think it's apples and oranges there, though. Like, <laughs> Why? Notre Youngstown. Dame was... The, they were the number nine team no, in the country. No, no, no. I'm talking about Youngstown State. Like, Youngstown, oh, I was, Young, Youngstown oh. State versus <laughs> Purdue. Like, I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, I was, hang on whoa, here. Whoa. I, will not, I will not accept any Notre Dame slander on this podcast. No, you're not going to get Notre Dame slander out of me. Trust me. <laughs> you've seen you've seen my social media on these Saturday nights lately. <laughs> yes, sir. You are correct about that. All right. Well, now <laughs> that we're talking about Ohio State. Now I have to ask you. Like I, I think we're all in agreement. Michigan is the top team in this conference right now. Who would you, if I had to, if I told you you had to take one right now that has a better shot at dethroning Michigan, is it Ohio State or is it Penn State? It's close. It's really close. That's why I'm asking you is because I want to make it a really tough question. Yeah, no, that's not it's not an easy question because you've got Ohio State's got those weapons. Like, I mean, I as a as a Bears fan, I am watching Marvin Harrison Jr. every day. I'm watching everything he does. And you've also, by the way, you've got Carnell Tate in there. Oh, by the way, Emeka Egbuka could be also be a top ten pick. Depending on his health, he got hurt last week against Maryland. I think he'll be fine. It's a question of, you know, going forward. But Penn State's defense, I think, is better. You got the experience. You've got playmakers, Chop Robinson. You got Kobe King. Like you, you've got dudes that if they can create some pressure on Kyle McCord and keep that pressure, unlike a team in South Bend did, I think you can 
maybe make enough ruckus to make a difference. I would give a slight, very slight edge to Penn State because of that factor. But I think that game, I'm very excited to watch that game. I wasn't sure they just came out with this. I wasn't sure if that was going to be the primetime game or not on NBC. They're sending Big Noon there. It's going to be the Big Noon game. So that's yeah. going to be uh, first game of the day. You're starting with that. That's gonna that, That's got game of the day potential. I don't think it's going to be game of the year just because you do have the, the game at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. But uh, you're talking game of the day. It's gonna That's going to be one of the more exciting ones to watch. I, so again, slight edge to Penn State to make sure I'm on the record with it. But it could go that's 1A, 1B level. Okay. Listen, <laughs> you opened that door, so I'm going to slide into it. While talking oh, yeah. about Marvin right. Harrison Jr. and the Bears, players in you could say the Big Ten, but college football right now that you would be happy to see on the Bears rosters next season. Well, Marv's number one. Let's make okay. that clear because I because look at what DJ Moore did against Washington. I know it's Washington. I understand that. I worked with two Commanders fans that night. I got the full experience. But you got to take that for what it is. DJ Moore is special. You bring Marvin Harrison Jr. into that room. That's a nightmare for defenses to have to contain. He's the one I circle every game. I'm watching, okay, what's he doing? What can he do that the Bears don't have? I like Joe Alt at Notre Dame as well to anchor the offensive line. Also, Olu Fashanu could have been a top 10 pick last year, went back to yep. Penn State. There's your yep. left tackle. Like, <laughs> man, Braxton Jones is not the answer. Like, that is, you need a left tackle. <laughs> That's like, you're you're expecting a day three guy to be the answer. I think that people need to make sure that their expectations are reasonable for him, too. I thought that that ended up being a pretty solid attempt by the Bears, and it looked like it may have worked out, but... You know, I'm I'm still an okay on Braxton Joe. I'm not crazy about him, but right. I'm not I, smirking too terribly much. No, but if I had my choice between Olu Fashanu and Braxton Jones, do you know who I'm gonna take? Of course. Like just, if he's on if he's there. The capital, the capital that would have been required to acquire said guy is significantly different. So right. hey, I'm just trying to defend my guy here. That's all. No, you're all, I'm all I'm all for it. So I would start I think I would build out the offense if I mm. if you're in I think because I I don't think they're going to have the number one pick. The Bears pick, I don't think, is going to be the number one pick. And if wherever the Carolina pick falls, we'll have that conversation later. But I, I would be looking at Marvin Harrison Jr. is one of those whatever it takes. If you're if you're there, if you need to make a move for it, like I think you do it. And I think if you can get a stud offensive lineman to add to that unit, you do that. And I think you can build. This is a good pass rusher draft too. Like, I mean, I really like JT to him. is kind of falling a little bit in the draft boards I've seen. I don't know why he's I've kind of, I've had my eye on him for a year now. Like mm-hmm. if you can, someone like him could, if he falls a little bit, make that happen. But I, if, if this is assuming fields is the guy, by the way, this is assuming things are on the track that they're on right now. That's the route that I would be looking at. So definitely staying in the big 10 and Notre Dame. I love it. But <laughs> I love it. The last one I had for you is I saw that on three sports came out with their kind of midseason power rankings for the Heisman trophy and not really a shock that Caleb Williams is in that number one spot. The thing I was maybe a little bit surprised by was the fact that it wasn't um, Michael Penix Jr. or Bo Bo Nix at number two. Uh, on three had Brock Bowers and Jaden Daniels tied for second. And I can definitely I can understand why, but like, I'm a little bit surprised by that. Should I be kind of like rethinking my stance on that? I think there's a couple things to that. First of all, Jaden Daniels engineering what he did against Mizzou 
that was I don't want it wasn't I don't want to call that a Heisman moment, but like that was special what he's mm-hmm. able to do. And he had a the, the old miss game was a shootout just because LSU's defense. I, I said it at the time. LSU's defense reminded me of the Bears in the old miss game, and that's not a good thing. <laughs> like I mean, it was that was hard to watch that defense. So I think Jaden Daniels play his play was overshadowed by the defensive issues. And Brock Bowers, you're seeing he helped win that game over Auburn. Like mm-hmm. that game should not have been as close as it was, but you're going in. That's a tough place to play at Jordan Hare. No matter, I don't care if Auburn's the worst team in the country. That is a tough place to play. And I think Brock Bowers and Jaden Daniels should both be in that conversation. But you got Washington, Oregon this weekend. Yep. You got Michael Penix versus Bo Nix. I think the winner of that game and whichever quarterback shows out, and they'll probably go hand in hand is going to move up to number two behind Caleb in those rankings. I think this is just a, okay, at four and five, you're going to put Bowers and Daniels up there because also Washington and Oregon were off last week and both Bowers and Daniels had good games. So you've got that kind of, that factor in there as well. But I really think whichever quarterback does well in Washington, Oregon, which is going to be a big 10 game this time next year, didn't think we'd be saying that a couple of months ago when we talked at media days, but Whoever wins that game, whichever quarterback looks better, I think you're going to see behind Caleb. And I and Caleb, the conversation would have changed if they if they'd have found a way to lose to Arizona and he didn't get that two point conversion. That was just insane. Yes, I stayed up for it. I'm not afraid to admit it. <laughs> One thirty yeah. in the morning. <laughs> Real quick. Do you believe, it, one, you're talking about getting two Heisman's when we're talking about Caleb Williams. So that's usually held against you. I, I think that USC is going to suffer a loss. So in a way, it kind of goes back to like uh, when James was talking about the disrespect that Maryland had by not necessarily being in the top 25, but some people viewed it as Maryland was going to lose to Ohio State. So what was the point of putting them in there? So I'm, I'm flipping that to the Heisman and kind of using that analogy for Caleb Williams being the guy that's already won and usually they don't like to give it to you again, but also being someone who I think down the road is going to suffer a loss. So let me let's go to the end of let's just we're in New York. Who do you think will be those three finalists for the Heisman, in your opinion, Nick? I think right if you're going right now, I'd take Caleb. I would take Brock Bowers and probably Michael Penix. I think you're going to see two Pac-12 guys there, which is the perfect way for that conference to go out. Like I think the the thing with Caleb is he does things like he did against Arizona that they suffer from that defense. And if you were to ask me if this was Friday night, I would be predicting Notre Dame to beat USC next week. But that's not, I don't think that's going to happen now if Notre Dame looks like it did against Louisville. Yeah. But yeah. like, so that, that fact, that would have been a huge game with Heisman implications because I think Sam Hartman would have still been in that kind of the, hey, he's kind of there. Can he make some big play? If, it, if they'd beaten Ohio State, Sam Hartman's in this conversation. But now yeah. he's, out, he's out of this now. And I think Caleb, the way, the way he just makes these plays, like people comparing to Mahomes, I don't think that's fair just because Mahomes is, a different animal. I don't really like comparing that level because as a prospect, I mean, you, you're, I remember that draft well, because do you remember the guy who went, the quarterback who went first was Trubisky. Mm-hmm. Then you had Deshaun Watson. Then you had Mahomes. Mahomes was number three. And at the yeah. time you weren't talking about Mahomes as the top quarterback off the board. Like the right. conversation, he benefited from great coaching. Caleb Williams is special. And I mean, the look at, if you watch, if you go back and watch that Notre Dame game last year, that's where it kind of proved like, Okay, he's got you knew he had the goods, but this is like, dude, this is a dude. And he got that, he got the Heisman and USC lost to Utah twice. Like that was a factor in there too. So you had a two loss USC and he won the Heisman yeah. trophy. I think that kind of 
helps his argument that he was able to do that. And he looks really good this year. I know the game against Arizona wasn't his best, but he came through when it happened. And that, that two point conversion was awesome. Like I've watched that a lot. That was really, really special. So I think he's the favorite right now to repeat. I think he's going to join that Archie Griffin conversation and repeat Heisman. Mm. Michael Penix is really good though. Could you imagine if Indiana had a quarterback like Michael Penix? <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine if that happened? Like, Oh wait, that's right. <laughs> Oh, how sad. Well, you know, they and it's really funny. Indiana is going to play Washington next year and Penix won't even be there. So literally the entire allure of the game just kind of went out the window with that uh, sad reality. Ken, were there any other uh, final thoughts you had? No, not at all, James. We have expended a lot of our energy on our college football preparations talking to Nick Schultz and he of course has delivered as he so often does you can find him on Twitter slash X at Nick Schultz underscore seven you can find his work on on three sports Nick it was great talking to you again about all things college football definitely have you back on further down the road guys always a pleasure it's almost CFP time can you believe that first CFP rankings come out in three weeks oh boy three weeks from the first rankings Yep. Whatever, however far we are from Halloween is how far we are from the first rankings. Lots of arguments to be had in the weeks and months ahead. Again, thank you so much for joining us, Nick. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. All right. That was our conversation, man, with the always awesome Nick Schultz. He we hit so many different things on that. I don't really feel like we need to like preview any more games. I think we can just like delve right into the nitty gritty of making picks, but I just thought that was a great wide ranging conversation and a lot of really great insight into the conferences. We're kind of at like the de facto halfway point of the season. Like we're heading into week seven. So I guess it's close enough, but a lot of great stuff from Nick. Great stuff in college. And then he hit us off with acute bears analyzation of what the bears should do, which he did out the park with that too. I, we'll talk about that on the Under Center podcast. Make sure you check that out. But uh, yeah, love having Nick on, and it was nice to finally meet him face to face or virtually face to face. I love when you start uh, shouting out the other work that you do, buddy, because Under Center is absolutely must listen after every Bears game for sure. Not that it is in other times, but man, do I love hearing you guys break those games down. It's always sure. really great because it calms down like the lizard brain part of my head while also making me feel smarter. So it's just like all really good stuff. So I appreciate that, man. Thank you, James. I appreciate that from you, man. But yeah, let's, let's jump to these picks so we can see where you're going, where I'm going, who's going to take a victory lap next Sunday. All right. Who's going to be the man and who's going to be the guy that's not the man. We do have to take care of a little bit of business before we get to those picks. And that of course is to tell you about our friends And our presenting sponsors, Benny's Beverage Depot. They have a barrel-to-bottle podcast. It is really awesome. You're going to learn all sorts of things, not just about what kind of drinks you are going to pick when you go to Benny's, but also the best way to go about that process to find out what suits your palate. All that stuff, you can get that from listening to that podcast. You get great insights from industry experts, both that are actually working in Benny's stores and also the people who are creating those beverages and helping you to have those good times. We encourage you to listen to that podcast after, of course, you listen to this one. And also, of course, just go visit your local neighborhood Benny's. They're going to be able to answer all of your questions. I mean, every time I go to Benny's, I get such incredible advice from everybody that works there. I know Ken feels the exact same way about them. I'm just encouraging you, go find your local Benny's because if you can't find it at Benny's, it's probably not worth drinking. Mr. Davis, we discussed the Iowa-Wisconsin game. We revealed that Wisconsin is roughly nine, nine and a half point favorites, depending on what book you're looking at. 
the over under on the game is like 37 points in this battle for the Big Ten West supremacy. Who are you? <laughs> um, I'm gonna go with Wisconsin. You know, um, that Iowa defense, it kind of like makes me want to slightly hesitate, but you still have a decent quarterback. You still have a nice running game, even though Ches Malusi's out. Um, we know that they haven't necessarily effectively effectively integrated the air raid. And I was gonna ask Nick, but he answered the question about how quickly do you think that they could switch off and how important is recruitment in that? And they, we've talked about this. They haven't gotten the, the weapons on the outside to really whatever hybrid air rate they're going to run in the future to necessarily run that air rate. But in saying that, I'm going with the fact that offensively, I was been hamstring, hamstrung. Yep. And, and I'm going to go with – and also we're talking about a running attack in Wisconsin, and we know what that offensive line in Wisconsin historically has done – so I'm going to lean towards Wisconsin pulling it off. But, like, I'm not going to necessarily think that they're gonna, that it's going to be nine and a half. Um, even when I hear the, 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 the spread or necessarily it being 37 points, I kind of want to say, well, like 23, uh, 17, you know, like something. Well, not 23, 17. It would have to be 17, whatever. You get what I'm trying to say with the points necessarily. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that it would be 20 to 17 basically in the favor of Wisconsin. Um, Wisconsin will probably have a little bit more than that, but I don't think it'd be much because that Iowa defense, even if and if you check out under center, I haven't been the big, biggest Luke Van Ness guy. And it's not a knock on him, it's just a knock on the fact that they didn't play him because of how they do things at Iowa with younger players and veteran players there. Um, I still think Wisconsin's gonna be able to pull it off and probably start solidifying that they're gonna be the team to perhaps take uh the Big Ten uh West. Um, in the forthcoming future. The one thing I think they're going to have to look out for at Wisconsin is just simply the middle of the field with this offense because you saw what Caleb Johnson was able to do last week for Iowa, and I think that's something that you're going to have to keep an eye on that run game for sure. I also think you're going to have to keep an eye on Eric All because I know I pointed it out in our interview with Nick, and I stand by it. Like Deacon Hill only completed six passes. He had a QBR of 2.0, which is real bad for those of you who are not advanced stats savvy. Um, but I still think that that ability to find Eric all over the middle, he's a really hard player to defend for Iowa. And so I think that if Wisconsin safety play and linebacker play can be up to snuff, I think they can do exactly what so many teams have done to that Iowa offense this season. But if they are soft in the middle of the field in any way, I feel like it's exploitable for Iowa, and I think that you're going to see a lot of that happening during this game. A lot of this game is going to come down to the trenches and that middle of the field between the hash marks. I'm really intrigued to see how that plays out. All of that being said, I do think that ultimately Wisconsin having the offense that they do, especially with Braylon Allen being a great dual threat out of the backfield, I think you're going to kind of see Tanner Mordecai do a lot of the same stuff he did against Purdue just to kind of keep Iowa off balance, like the mix of run and pass. I think Wisconsin's going to win. I'm going to go with a 17 to 13 score line. That's going to be my go-to. I just think it's going to be a really tight game. And as Nick said, I could easily see kind of a fluky play ending right. up with this one. And next, next on our board, we've got Indiana in Michigan, who Michigan's favored, I think, by like 35 points. And I think... <laughs> probably a little bit ambitious i get the sense that michigan might end up treating this kind of the way they did the maybe the rutgers game so i will definitely pick michigan to win but i don't think they cover the spread 
I'm with you. I think it'll probably be maybe about 20 points, maybe about 23 points. But yeah, they're going to probably necessarily call the dogs off late in the second half. It's, it's no reason, even though you're at number two, to necessarily beat a, a, a limping animal as Indiana is at this point. But yeah, it's it's a wrap. We already know Michigan. We've talked about it last week, not even last week, a few days ago, that I personally think Michigan may be the best team in the country. Um, now, Georgia has to lose. You, I mean, Georgia's a two-time champ, and I do respect teams that are like that as far as the champion needs to be knocked out. But still, I think Michigan is ripe necessarily to take it all this season. So it's not all a diss when it comes to Indiana, but you're playing against a team that's prime to necessarily dominate college football at this moment. Ohio State, 19.5 point favorite over Purdue. Um, I actually am going to say Ohio State will cover that spread. Uh, what say you? I would – I want to say they won't, but I definitely think they will. Um, I, I think they're going to try to prove something with having a, a good first half, you know, saying so they kind of get some of the kinks out of the way. Um, and also, you know, that defense when it comes to Ryan Walters on that side of the fall, it, it hasn't that side of the ball hasn't necessarily worked out. So yeah, Ohio State's going to desperately do their thing. I mean, we really haven't even had a game this season where both of their boundary receivers have just taken off when you're talking about uh Marvin Harrison Jr. and Becca. Uh, so I'm I'm looking at those guys getting in. And then I didn't even say anything about our guy on the line and in pass catching when it comes to Stover. Um, yep. So, yeah, it's again, it's th these are in the last two teams we're talking about. We're talking about Ohio State and Michigan. Again, it's not a knock on these teams. They're playing. You're, you're playing teams that are ripe and prime necessarily take it all. So, yeah, I'm definitely going with Ohio State. It's not even a question. And I'm taking the spread. And even if they don't have a Mecca Buka, I know he picked up a little bit of an injury in their win over Maryland. They are, in all likelihood, going to have Trevion Henderson back. And I think that having that that guy in your backfield to go along with the way Chip Trainum's been playing a lot this season for the Buckeyes, I feel like this is going to be a get-right game for their offense in a lot of ways. And I know that we kind of alluded to it maybe being a little bit of a trap game because they've got that game against Penn State coming up on October 21st. I do not think Penn State's or Ohio State's going to approach it that way. I think they are nope. going to go in there and steamroll Purdue over at Ross Aid Stadium. So we've got that game locked up. Um, I don't think we really need to delve too much into Penn State and UMass unless you somehow have some insight on the Minutemen that I don't have. Of course I no, I don't. That would have been insane. And I, would have, <laughs> I would have probably dropped my microphone. I would have been like, what on earth? happened like what ken davis is like absolutely blowing my mind right now <laughs> i apologize there'll be no no mic drops today james i believe i believe penn state's favored by like 41 points in that game so who knows if they're going to cover that but i don't think that's going to be a big concern for them going up against the one in six uh minute of massachusetts um a couple other games on the big 10 schedule this week um we do have michigan state and rutgers over in uh New Jersey. So Rutgers four and two coming off a loss against Wisconsin, a game I thought that they potentially could have won, but just didn't end up having quite the horses to do it. Um, I'm probably leaning Rutgers in this one. They're only favored by five points, but I just I haven't liked what I've seen out of Michigan State. Like they're just so maddeningly inconsistent. And I keep waiting for them to kind of get their feet underneath them and to really kind of figure stuff out. I just don't I don't see him doing it this week. And then, oh, October 21st, they've got Michigan. So probably yeah. not going to be a good couple of weeks for uh, Spartan fans. I, I think Rutgers is going to they're going to run the ball like crazy with Gavin Wimsat and Kyle Manunga. And I think they're going to take care of business against the Spartans. I'm going to take that five. 
Um, yeah, I'm definitely going with the Scarlet Knights. Um, even with the inconsistent play at quarterback in Michigan State, you expected more from their defense. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely taking the Scarlet Knights. You you've hyped the Scarlet Knights up to me too much this season for me to sit there and not take advantage of the knowledge that you've given me. I'm going with Rutgers, and I'm actually I'm taking the spread. I think they're going to score more than they're going to have more than five points uh, to beat uh, Michigan State. To be honest with you. I think the over under for the game is 41 and a half. I think that like the run heavy nature of the game may end up making that a little, yeah. Cool, but life's life's too short to bet unders. I would go with the over on that one as well. And then finally the game on NBC five Chicago this week, you've got Illinois heading to Maryland to take on the Terrapins in college park. <sighs> you this know, your heart. Yeah. <laughs> Which way are you going here, James? feeling right now maryland is a 14 point favorite at the moment i predict what will end up happening is illinois is going to get off to a modestly good start and they're going to keep this game close early they're going to lure me in like a siren to an island and then (laughs) me into oblivion and make my saturday just that much sadder i think that maryland has a get-right game after their loss against Ohio State, and I think they are going to absolutely pound the Illini this weekend. Please don't get eaten by a siren. Um, yes, I'm definitely going with – I mean, it, I think if you watch this, you know both of us are going with Maryland, and I'm going to go with the spread. Um, Maryland's going to try to prove what happened last week was a fluke um, and reassert themselves. They still has not necessarily chance. You saw what Nick said about necessarily being spoilers and what could happen with Penn State being a spoiler down the road when it comes to the cream and the crust of the Big Ten. Um, yeah, it's Maryland. I mean, Maryland, it's not a question. Both You and I both said it. We think they're the, the fourth best team in the Big Ten. Um, again, if you look at the, necessarily the score, it's taken out of context about what happened with them against Ohio State. Um, they played Ohio State well at least for a half, if not three quarters. Um, so yeah, going into you know Illinois, yeah, it's going to be an L. And I, again, proximity-wise, I hate saying it, but it's just the truth. Um, so yeah, I think we ended up agreeing on everything. The only one I don't remember was Iowa and Wisconsin. Did you think that Wisconsin was going to cover the spread against the Hawkeyes? Um, yeah. Okay, you do. I'm gonna go with them. Wait, I yeah. I said I said no. You said yes. That is literally the only thing we disagreed on on all of our picks today. So once again, we're hanging our hats on a stinking matchup involving Iowa. I think we <laughs> we may need some uh, mental help, Ken. I, I there's something wrong hey, with us, man. No, man, it is what it is. It is what. Hey, we're rooting. We're rooting for the Ferrets family, right? We're 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 rooting. We're on the outside. <laughs> I know it first. I feel the same way. Boy. <laughs> Ooh, that, you stuck the knife right in my chest, man. Ugh. Anyway, so Ken Davis has ruined my uh, day now, and I think that is an excellent time to end this podcast because I need to reevaluate a lot of things about you know my life. So for Ken Davis, I'm James Naveau. Thanks again to Nick for joining us. Thanks to Tony and Claire for being amazing. I'm going to go stare in a corner for a few hours. Thank you for visiting Big Ten Country, folks. Peace out.